We entered the caves carefully, trying to avoid a trip or a fall that would make us certain prey for the hunters. The light dimmed as we moved a short ways into the cavern, the illumination from the windowed facility behind us fading in the distance. Not even ten minutes walking through the passageway, a noise behind us made me alert Maggie that we were in trouble. Taking cover behind some rocks along the side, we waited. A hunter, charging full speed through the cavern, was bounding forward in our direction. I looked at Maggie, deer painted on my face, but she returned this with a finger to her lips. I stayed still and quiet, waiting for the monster to hopefully pass. It moved so quickly, we felt the wind rush by as it charged past. In its right hand, it was carrying a person by the head. It didn't seem to be resisting, just a body flailing at the whims of the creature as it pulled them deeper into the cave system. Maggie motioned for us to continue on, and so we did, further into the cave itself. Slowly, the cavern began to widen, and the strangest sensation came over us. Wind. It became incredibly windy down the tunnel. I assumed there must be an opening to the surface somewhere ahead, because the wind itself seemed totally unnatural to exist down in this cave, completely shut off from the weather naturally. As we continued, we came to a large opening into a sort of chamber. The wind was incredibly intense, which seemed to create a vortex in the center of a large, circular room made of rock. I held up my hand to block some of the wind from my eyes so that I could see. Even then, it was hard to believe what I was seeing. There appeared to be people trapped in the center of the vortex, battered around in all directions. They didn't seem able to resist the torrent of air that smashed, pulled, and twisted them uncontrollably. They seemed to flail helplessly in the never-ending flow of the wind. We need to stick to the sides. Hold on tight or you'll get swept in with them, Maggie shouted, her voice barely audible over the deafening winds. The rock was thankfully formed in a way that allowed for handholds. If it had been smooth, I don't think it would have been possible to find a steadying point. We most certainly would have been swept into the center had this been the case. The going was slow, carefully placing our hands and feet to keep our balance. We eventually made our way to an opening on the opposite side of the room that we entered from. Another wide opening, much like the entrance, which was now slowly narrowing into a fresh pathway. The wind also seemed to calm as we entered through the pathway, reversing the flow and offering a gentle push at our backs, as if encouraging us forward. The red light of the cave system seemed to dim further as we made our way through the second passageway. Unlike the previous cave, this one had water dripping from the ceiling that had made the rocks slick. As we approached another entrance to a new chamber, the flow at our feet seemed to increase as if we were approaching some sort of body of water. The cave did open to a new chamber, much like the first, only this one was filled with a steady downpour of rain. It was inexplicable. There was no opening to the sky, no place the water could conceivably be coming from. I reached out my hand and a droplet of the water landed on my palm. I quickly pulled it back, surprised at how icy cold it was. The cave itself was a reasonable temperature, matching the outside, but this rain was like putting your bare hand into a pile of snow. Maggie looked at my reaction and then pointed out to the center of the room. I saw more people trapped, this time in some sort of miasma 
stuck halfway in thick mud. Some people were covered halfway up their bodies. Others were on their sides, or even upside down in the mud. They didn't appear to struggle, just sat still, trapped in the frozen deluge. Maggie pulled a hood over her head and motioned for me to follow. In the mud, there were several trees that led from the entrance to the other side. She reached for the branch of one and broke it easily. The icy rain seemed to have an effect on them that made the branches brittle and easy to break. She took the branch and threw it into the mud ahead of us and then motioned for me to do the same. We moved slowly between each set of trees, breaking the branches and then using them as stepping stones to avoid sinking into the muck. My hands shook in the icy cold, almost unable to break the branch, but I knew I had to keep moving or I'd be trapped like the people in this room. By the time we reached the end, both of us were exhausted, cold, and wanting nothing to do with that room anymore. As we entered the next cave, the temperature instantly rose, as if we'd passed an invisible barrier separating the two areas. My body and hands burned as my nerve endings came back to life, reporting pain from the intense cold I had just put myself through. Maggie rubbed her arms and sat for a moment, also recovering from the intense cold of the crossing. She was undeterred, though, and motioned for us to continue. This tunnel was longer than the first two, twisting and turning before beginning to widen once more. As we approached the next entrance, Maggie pointed toward a sign on the wall. Unmistakably, something had been carved into the rock face, an arrow pointing to a formation of rock on the side of the tunnel. We both moved toward it, and there was a hole in the rock itself. It was only large enough to fit one adult at a time, but there was definitely an additional passageway. I'll go first. Keep an eye out for those things, she said as she began lowering herself into the tunnel. I nodded in agreement and looked down the tunnel. We were close enough to the entrance to the next area that curiosity got the better of me. I turned and glanced into the next chamber that we were not traversing. It wasn't filled with any sort of trap like the previous two had been. This chamber was filled with people who were pushing giant weights, almost like boulders, around a room. One person on each side were pushing against the other, as if they were in a never-ending duel over who could advance the stone. The sound of the rocks made booming noises throughout the cavern, which echoed off the hard walls. Hey, you still up there? I heard Maggie yell. I turned back to the small opening and began lowering myself down. As I reached the bottom, the red color that permeated the main tunnels seemed to fade. I was returned to the gray that seemed to dominate the palette in the world above. Maggie led the way into a room unlike anything else we had seen so far. The rock face was smoothed and almost became like a troweled concrete. The passage opened to a small round chamber. On the walls, several doors stood side by side in the ring. Their finishes varied from basic to ornate stone to solid metal. Each one seemed to have a personality of its own. Is this the exit? I asked. Maggie nodded in response. But which one could it be? Does it matter? It does, she said. But I don't think I can tell you. Walk around, see if you get a feeling about any of them. Didn't really understand what she meant by this. What if I get a feeling? Nevertheless, I walked toward the doors taking in each one as I passed. Each one gave off an unwelcoming, cold feeling as I passed. 
It was as if I knew they would be locked before I even tried the handle. As I started to reach the end, I began to worry that I wasn't doing this right, or perhaps there wasn't an exit at all. Then I felt something, almost like a warm radiance from a wooden door. It was carved with a design like branches of a tree. The handle was made of iron, with a large keyhole. I pressed my hand against it, and instantly it felt nourishing, reviving. The cold I felt from the previous room vanished as the warmth coursed through my body. Wow, I said. You feel it? You feel something from that door? She asked. Yeah, it's warm. Something about this one is special, I replied. Open it up, she said. I reached for and turned the iron knob of the door. It clicked open as the latch pulled from the strike plate. The door opened and filled the room with light. Not only that, the light from the doorway seemed to vanquish the gray and fill the room with color. Maggie saw it too and looked down at her hands, which were now illuminated from the doorway. You go, she said abruptly. We'll both go. This has to be the way out, I said. I can't go with you. Just go, she said. What? Why not? You can't possibly want to stay here, I exclaimed. I've been here before, Jim. I've done the test. None of these doors matched me. I think... I think I'm meant to be here. Meant to because of something I've done, she explained. I don't understand, I said. Just go, she said. Maggie moved forward and shoved me. She caught me by surprise and I stumbled back, just enough to fall backward through the door frame. As I did so, my vision was filled with the light of the entryway, which seemed to envelop me as I passed. For a brief moment, I saw Maggie, tears in her eyes as she backed away from the door. To my horror, one of the hunters had crept behind and grabbed her around the chest. I only just saw her look of shock as the door slammed shut and my vision was completely eclipsed by the light. I gasped for air and jerked upward, a thin sheet of cloth falling from my face as I breathed in deep, shuddering breaths. I was in some sort of dark storage room, still on the patient bed where they injected me with a tranquilizer cocktail. I looked around and saw there were rows and rows of beds to my left, all with shapes on them covered by thin, white sheets. Looking down, I had IV lines still leading to my arm. A couple bags of liquid were feeding into the lime. Were they giving me nutrients to keep me alive? I pulled the IV from my arm, freeing myself from the medical contraptions they had set up. Standing from the bed, I moved to one of the covered patient beds. Pulling the sheet back, I found a young man with a beard. He was unconscious, eyes moving rapidly back and forth. Moving down the room, I uncovered more faces. Men, women, all of different ages and races, all of them unconscious and stored in this room. It wasn't until I had moved through maybe a dozen of these poor souls before I pulled the cover down and felt a shock run through me. Maggie. She was lying here unconscious, eyes moving back and forth, just like the others. Were all of these people trapped in the still world like I was? I wondered if I saw some of them as I passed those people trapped in the swirling winds or freezing rain. A sound behind me made me return to reality. The door to the storage room had opened, and a single person in a white lab coat had entered. 
They stopped for a moment, looking at my patient bed where I had been laying. They were staring at it in shock that it was no longer occupied. Taking this opportunity, I charged at and pinned Dr. Lawrence to the wall, his papers and coffee hitting the ground with a clang. You! I shouted. How? How are you back? He stammered in a panic. You sent me into that place, whatever it was, with no way out. You trapped me in there, I said, pushing him harder into the wall. Calm down. I, I can explain. Just let me go for a moment. I can explain, he said quickly. Jake, that you over there? A voice from another room called. I'm locking down the building. Wanted to let you know. You all right? Yeah, Charlie, I'm good. Just double-checking the subject from today is doing all right. I'll be right behind you. Have a good night, he said in reply. All right, take it easy, the faraway voice said, and their footsteps on the solid floor receded. I looked back at Dr. Lawrence, who had his hands up. I loosened my grip on him. He could have called for help, but didn't. I wanted answers about what was going on here. Let go of me and we could take a seat in the other room. I can explain further, he said. I did so, and he straightened his clothing and took a breath, motioning for me to enter the next room. He sat in a chair, offering me another one nearby. I stood. No way I was trusting anything this guy was offering me till I got some answers. I want to know what the heck you just sent me into, I said. What I told you was true. It's the still world. We just don't know a lot about what's out there, other than that it's a copy of our own world, he said. Yeah, a copy, filled with monsters and a passageway to hell, I said. Monsters? A passageway to... What are you saying? He asked. There's much more down there than you realize. There are chambers, places where people are trapped, suffering, I explained. I met a girl in there, Maggie. She led me to a series of doors, one of which brought me back here, only she was taken by one of the monsters right as I passed through the opening. Dr. Lawrence listened intently to this, trying to make sense of what I was saying. Jim, you're the only person who's ever come back from our heavy tranquilizer cocktail. We were hoping, maybe praying, that we'd find someone who could go back and forth, he said. Think you're going to keep doing this? I asked. The second I get out of here, I'm calling the cops, shutting this thing down. I understand. It's just that there may be a way to save some of these people. Now that you've been there and back, you may be able to have more influence over your surroundings. Maybe find a way to free them, he said. I'm not buying it. You want to put me under again? I said, not believing a guy who just trapped me in that place already. A guy who already lied to me. Yes, but only after we take a second and evaluate not just how you survived by hearing your story, but why you survived. Something different happened to you than any of these other people, and we need to figure out what that is so we have a chance to save everyone else, he said. I paused for a moment, thinking about this. I don't know if I cared about all the other people, but Maggie. It wasn't fair that she was still trapped in that place, and I'm able to go free. Just tell me what happened. Step by step, he said. There has to be something in your story to help us understand this. Maybe we can come up with a strategy. I sat then, burying my head in my hands. I began recounting my story, every painful, surreal detail of it. 
The doctor listened carefully, taking periodic notes on points he must have thought were important. If I agree to this, and I'm not saying I am, what are the chances that we can get any of those people out of there? I asked. Dr. Lawrence looked at his notes, then back to me. Slim, he said. But there is a chance. Only if you're willing to go back, though. Maybe even surprising myself, I nodded, thinking that if there was any way to get back to and save Maggie, I had to try. She risked everything to get me back to this world. We'll need to do some tests. Come with me, he said as he stood up from the chair. I followed Dr. Lawrence, unsure of what was to come from this next adventure. I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I didn't at least try, though. Try to bring Maggie or anyone back from that nightmare.